Hello there, it's Friday, which means it's time once again for the best movie podcast ever. The only movie podcast to offer objective and hyperbole-free discussion of every movie in the known universe. I am your host, the podcaster with no name, Conrad, and with me as always, he's a five-star man, he's Anthony James. <laughs> good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Hello, everyone. I think I've done that one before, to be honest. Uh, it's, it's always well, it's true every time. It is true. true it's, never, it's never been truer. It's, you, if you were five stars when we began this podcast and using the Dave Meltzer kind of sliding uh, scale <laughs> yeah. of, of five star systems, you're now a six and a half star man, I would say. Um, Thank you. Thank you. Much appreciated. You're welcome. Um, yeah. <laughs> You're still at the five star, but you know, you're getting there. You're getting there. I don't I think I'm sliding backwards, to be honest. Sliding backwards <laughs> gradually sliding backwards into mediocrity. That's my that's my fate in life. We're here to talk about not talk about our ratings as men, but talk about a movie that I'm gonna come out and say right now, I don't think is a five star movie. And that's Adam McKay's Don't Look Up. Um, six and a half. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely ten star movie. It breaks the scale. Um, we are not going to agree on this one, which is I always like these episodes when we don't agree. No, it's got, we're coming in hot on this one. Um, other than other than like uh, preparing your uh, your arguments for Don't Look Up, did did you get up to anything this week? We have just spent the last half hour talking off off um, off camera, so to speak. But yeah, but let me think of something that I didn't <laughs> yeah. tell Come you. Well, you know, we're doing stuff. There's moves happening in the in the in the uh, Anthony James household, as all hustling, I say. Hustling. Let's just say that that hopefully in the next three or four months there will be a different backdrop behind me. Uh, <laughs> that is, you know, no, not getting more specific than that. But there's moves. There's moves happening. Yeah. Anthony has is, finally finished construction yeah. on his uh, doomsday prepper bunker in his back garden. Where and so that's on that's, that's on topic. That's for sure for this yeah, one. That is true. <laughs> yeah, there must be a, a, a yeah a notice board with a bunch of pictures of uh, of me from like 1980 and uh, Holden Lime in 1980. <laughs> but somebody looks like me in 1980. Um, okay, well we, <laughs> we're not going to go down a dark hole because we'll be here all day. Um, without further ado, I say it's time <laughs> to talk about some gosh darn movies. Let's do it. Movies, they're happening. It's 2022. We haven't stopped with the movies. They are still coming out, uh, despite the. They move. They do that's move. They movies. Yeah, they. Uh, well, and I'll tell you one that's definitely moving, or the tickets of it are moving. That is, and that is uh, Scream, which I'm going to say. Well, I'll tell you. Uh, no, I'm going to. I'll start this again. I'll say what the actual story is before I just start talking about Scream. So Scream has okay. uh, knocked Spider-Man: uh, No Way Home off of the top of the uh, the box office charts for the first time. Uh, it, it takes a weekend from Spider-Man in the US, making 30.6 million in its first weekend. Now, that's exciting. I love the Scream, the Scream series, or I love the first two of the Scream series. I didn't realise this movie was just called Scream, which we've already had. We've already had a movie called mm-hmm. Scream. The first one was called Scream. They do that quite a lot. I hate um, it. Was there a, was there a Halloween one called Halloween as well? Just um, after the, the original. I'm trying to remember. Oh well, yeah. I mean, there was the Rob Zombie reboot that was just called Halloween, and then the one from 2019. Yeah. I think it was called Halloween Kills, and then Halloween Lives. I'm trying to remember the the sort of something like that. Those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I knew there was another one just called Halloween. Um, yeah, that is a weird choice Infuriate having just a me. scream. Of course, you know, Conrad, as you know, I'm not the best ho- uh, horror movie encyclopedia over here. No. My favorite screen movie is, of course, Scary Movie Two. Um, Not Scary Movie Three probably... with Liam Neeson as the uh, as, <laughs> as the president. 
Well, the thing is, Scary Movie 1 is the only one you could actually joke about being a Scream movie because it's the only one with the actual Scream guy in it. Yes. But I, but Scary Movie 2 is my favorite Scary Movie film, so that's why I'm saying that one instead. I, I haven't watched any of those movies since the early 2000s. I suspect they don't hold up, but I have a, quite a lot of affection for all three of them, to be honest. Uh, well, for, my affection for the Scary Movie films and for None of the Teen Movie is the reason why I like the main feature of what we're talking about today. But Scream, Conrad, I'm not actually that... Uh, into it i've never seen it uh is it good uh scream is very good it it basically jump-started uh the dying carcass of the slasher subgenre in 1996 when it came out um by making it very kind of satirical and self-referential and i love it it's easily one of my top five favorite horror movies of all time second one is still a good movie third one and fourth one not so much by all accounts, this one's pretty good, so I'm going to go see it. Is this it. a fifth one chronologically? <clears throat> yes, or is it is this, the fifth is one. It is the fifth. So they had the first three in quick succession, then they had Scream 4, which I think took place like 10 years after the third one, but that was still in like 2011 or 2012, mm-hmm. um, and it was all web TV shows and stuff like that. It, it, was, it was sort of, it wasn't nascent internet age, but it was when we were still kind of to some extent figuring stuff out on the internet and then this is uh this is the the the, the uh the fifth one that takes I, I don't really know the plot of this to be honest there's a ghost face he's back again or it's back again because right. we don't know so they're following they're following the jackass trajectory three quick ones wait 10 years do a fourth one one day maybe do a and then pop one. out another one yes absolutely we can hope Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so that's Scream. That's exciting. But I, I wanted to get that out of the way early because there's some yep. there's some even more exciting news, which is very, very uh, much targeted at uh, at my co-host here. Not so much to the ah. listeners, uh, who I'm sure are all rational people who will not be excited by this. But Anthony's of a different breed. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to surprise him with this. Have you heard, Anthony, that Tim Allen has signed back on for a Santa Claus TV series on Disney Plus? And he will oh, he will star God. and produce star as oh god what's his name um, Sa- Scott Kelvin Scott Kelvin that's it yeah, uh, yeah that's what the S, that's what the SC stands for on the pajamas right, that he didn't know where right. he got um, yes so he'll be back he's come and like Tim Allen has been welcomed back in from the cold <laughs> by by Disney and they've said come and make a Santa Claus TV series. What are your thoughts? He just realised that he should just stop talking about Donald Trump after yeah, a while. I, yeah, I think um, I think someone's probably got in his ear and be like, maybe give up the kind of right wing rhetoric and the, and yeah, the yeah. sort of pro Republican sentiment and just go back to making kids movies. Um, well, like it's Buzz Lightyear and the renovating of a classic car on YouTube is all he's been doing for the last few years. But um, yeah. Tim Allen, to be honest with you, Conrad, this might surprise you. I feel nothing towards this. Uh, <laughs> like, like you're I the feel target nothing. audience, Anthony. <laughs> no, I'm not. That's the thing. Because if they made a series for the first season based like on the tone of the first film, mm. yeah, okay, that's not what this is going to be. No, I mean, if it is, cool. But this is going to be like the bloody Easter Bunny, Doctor Sleep, or whoever you call him. <laughs> yeah. What do you call that guy? The Sandman. Father Time or whatever. Yeah, the Sandman. Doctor gonna, Sleep. Gonna... Have... That would be an interesting movie. <laughs> or a series yeah. of doctors, if the characters from Doctor Sleep turned up in Santa Claus. <laughs> I mean, it would be great. But like, honestly, um, I I don't like I don't like this idea because, well, I'm I, I'm indifferent to it. Like I'm indifferent to Santa Claus two and three. I've never seen them. Okay. I've seen I've seen like I've seen them in bits. About five, like I've seen both of them in bits a lot, but I can I can safely say that I've never watched to the end. 
I almost watched Santa Claus 3 to the end one time, and then I turned it off with a minute to go just so I could say I've never seen it to the end. <laughs> okay, so, I mean, that, that level of petulance is kind of... Yeah, like, honestly, Second honestly, it's ridiculous. The first one was a genuinely good film, and you watched it for the first time recently, and you agree. Yeah, it is a good movie. I enjoyed it. Um, well, okay, well, they, I didn't see this going this way, but we're in the same boat here, apparently, Ben, because I have no interest in this at all. I will almost certainly not watch it. I brought it to... I came to this podcast, <laughs> cap in hand, ready to give you the opportunity to talk about Santa Claus and give you a, a, a ring-fence segment to talk about Santa Claus, and you, you've thrown it back in my face. Like, well, what I will say, what on. I will say is, I'm very glad you didn't say what I thought you were going to say, what because I thought you were say? building it up. It's it's made for me. It's <clears> going to be great. You know, Anthony's going to love it, but not many people other else will. I thought it was going to be a Back to the Future season series, oh. and that I would honestly, that would be, I would be so annoyed by that. Um, it's a perfect trilogy. Leave it alone. Uh, they'll never. Uh, nothing is sacred anymore. That will definitely well, you, get remade yeah. or rebooted at some point. You've got Back to the Future 1, Back to the Future 2, Back to the Future 3, and then you've also got like the little uh, epilogue, mm. the Back to the Future Doc and Marty appear on Jimmy Kimmel uh, show. Yeah. That is, that's, that's, that's the canon now and that's all I want. I think it's, I might be wrong in this, so citation needed on what I'm about to say, but I believe Robert Zemeckis is the one who is like stopping that from happening because I think he wrote as well as directing the original movie all three uh, well yeah he directed yeah. did he direct the third one as well we've had this conversation did all before did all of them, um, yeah, did all of them. but but yeah so he i think he has some say in whether they can uh use the characters he created to to make new movies and that's what stopped it from happening so far um Brilliant. fighting the good fight is our is our boy uh Bob, bobby z but uh, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how long he can keep that up for. Uh, at the end of the day, the house always wins, or the, indeed the mouse always wins uh, when it comes to when it comes to. That's exactly what I was going to say. You can imagine what they're going to do once once Zemeckis is gone, or Zemeckis sells the rights to Disney. They're going to make uh, a remade series. They're going to spin it off here. They're yep. going to spin it off there. You're going to have a Biff TV they'll cast, show. They cast Tom Holland as uh, as Marty McFly because. Any Pro- any young be person, it would be him. Of all the ones to choose, he's probably one of the good ones. But then, mm. but then they're also going to have. This is the thing that I don't like. They're also going to like make a children's TV show for like three year olds, where it's like it's like a mini Marty and a mini Doc, and they're going on little like little adventures. Oh, to like Tiny Toons, amazing! There you go. Well, they do they're doing that with Spider Man now. They've got uh, Spidey and friends, so it's got like it's introducing them to their cult early. You know? Yeah. That see the 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 sort of lapsed comic book nerd in me uh kind of i i i I bristle a little bit at that because i want to go and watch it and be like these aren't friends you can't just have mysterio turning up as spider-man's friend that's not how this works i'm sure it is (laughs) well the bad guys are there but they always teach them lessons and rhino okay rhino rhino learns to control his anger and that's good that's that's definitely not happened in the comic books (laughs) okay right that's enough about tim allen for a lifetime quite frankly (laughs) let's talk about the movie that we're here to talk about and that is uh from the end of 2021 uh adam mckay's don't look up the environmental farcical comedy i think he probably would consider it i th- i well no i th- i think the correct i think the correct genre of adam mckay's sort of serious films ironically serious films i think the correct genre is spoof oh, I, I don't I, know if i'd call I, this a spoof oh it's a spoof it's a spoof of real life um unfortunately that's just that's just spoof- satire that's like no, it, it's, I know, it's, ba- I, I, it's I honestly think 
No, I th- honestly think it's a spoof. I think it's like, well, they're trying to make serious points, which I don't know. We'll talk about that. I don't know what Mary's in as much as I wanted to, but I honestly would call this a spoof. The the vice is uh, well, not, yes, obviously spoofs are satire too, but the, the the style of of the comedy I think is very in line with a spoof, or they're trying to be more arty with it, which doesn't work all the time. Um, okay, I mean, there's definitely like kind of elements of drama in there as well, like because it, it does sort of try to. Get a bit heartfelt at, at points. Yeah, exactly. We'll That's into. what I mean. Yeah. Um, but so, for anyone who, who who doesn't know or hasn't seen this yet, it's a, essentially a a star-studded cast led by uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence, as well as a bunch of other uh, brilliant actors. And it's essentially tells the story of a PhD student uh, called Kate DeBiaschi, played by Lawrence, and astronomer. Uh, Randall Mindy, I think his name is. Mindy, yeah. Uh, yeah, they, Mindy. they discover a comet that's going to hit the Earth in approximately six months' time, and they have to try and convince the US government to stop it. And it's essentially a, a, a vehicle for Adam McKay to talk about his own personal gripes with the American kind of political and media landscape, I think, through, through a kind of rogues gallery of characters played by uh, those actors who are very thinly veiled. <laughs> Stand-ins for real, very thinly people. veiled characters. I, I, I think you are right in terms of the in terms of the the approach. He's obviously his his message here is not hidden whatsoever. Mm. But I think the the overarching theme of his message, I think, is he's taking a shot at anti-intellectualism. That's yeah. That's what I think. He's, I, I, overall, that's what he's doing. Yeah, I, I, I definitely think that's. I definitely think that's what that's true. Um, so I mean, as a as a kind of. I guess like a tonal comparison is I it, it felt to me like it was sort of half network like the sort of classic 1970s anti-media movie and half like Armageddon almost like it, it's sort of <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it, 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 it is, was quite Armageddon deep uh, deep impact yeah it was, yeah actually. There, there, were, there was some some crazy ideas that were that were floated as ways of dealing with this comet um <laughs> Now I, I'm that there's no there's no way to be kind about this, so I I think we should just get out early, uh, and we're not okay. we're not going to talk full spoilers yet. We might talk full spoilers uh, uh, towards the end once we've once we've had our say. But I think we should just put our cards on the table and say how we felt about this movie. Um, okay, okay. Because there's no way of me there's no way for me to con- like pretend that I'm objective about this. I fucking hated this movie. <laughs> Uh, very interesting and that's also a fact that i knew before i started yeah, watching it yeah and maybe i knew that it would be funny if we didn't like you know we had alternate <laughs> views yeah i didn't like i didn't think this was the best movie of all time i honestly didn't but i didn't hate it i didn't hate it and i and i definitely laughed more than six times yeah um there were certain characters maybe it's just like like it's just the actors were allowed to just be as ludicrous as they wanted yeah and and so there, therefore there were certain things particular actors were choosing to do which made me laugh every time yeah um, yeah I, I think I, I'll be so I think this is going to be interesting because I think how well the comedy works is going to be the big difference between your opinion of this and mine um, yeah. because so okay what, what how, how do you feel about like Adam McKay as a writer because he wrote this alone he wrote Vice alone he, he's worked on the screenplays yeah. of a lot of his movies like uh, The Big Short is probably my favourite movie of his and he worked on the screenplay of that um, I can't remember who he co-wrote it with but I think that's mm. got a really good screenplay but I think Vice and this have really exposed him as a writer on his own I'm not going to say this I think this is the best written film in the world I think there are there are still like including jonah hill in this is still 
bringing some of that type of comedy which i'm not really into anymore of like improvising a hundred times to get you know i think that still is there um but there were things that were happening in this movie which i did laugh at yeah and whether that was down to his writing or whether that down to was down to performance or whether that was just down to i was laughing at it ironically because of how stupid it all was i don't know but i was laughing uh, at this film i think i probably laughed and it wasn't even like i was laughing just all at the start and then i just it sort of petered out i think i probably laughed once every 10 minutes the whole way through okay know? so i mean i i found uh, on a really fundamental level so i mean essentially you've got these two characters who are source of your audience analog and then they are introduced to just this this absolute like just rogues gallery of ridiculous characters. So you've got the the populist president played by Meryl Streep. You've got her idiot son in a position of power that they really shouldn't be in, played by Jonah Hill. You've got the yeah. the tech ideologue who doesn't actually trust science, played by Mark Rylance. Um, yeah. And they're all they're all great actors, and they are they're just caricatures. They're just caricatures. Of, well, they are. Yeah. And <clears throat> I think I could. If, if if they were making me and, and their, their arguments are like straw man arguments as well which I kind of understand because the arguments that the real people that they're sort of stand-ins for are ridiculous a lot of the time as well so I don't think mm-hmm. Adam McKay wanted to kind of like give them any kind of credence but I think my problem with it was that I didn't find them funny for the most part there were a couple of bits that made me laugh but but for the most part i didn't find them funny so it just ended up feeling preachy to me because it was like adam mckay being mm. like look at all these morons and and it's like well yeah they are morons but that's because you've written them to be they're not even two-dimensional characters they're not even one-dimensional characters they're literally just like here's here's a it, it's it's like the movie embodiment of the idea on social media of imagining someone in your mind who says something ridiculous and then getting angry at that person with all the other people you agree with. That's what this movie feels like to me. Yeah, okay. I, I, get, I get what you mean. Um, I think it... I don't know. I think it maybe comes down to... Like with The Matrix, remember, that was very obviously political yeah. as well. But obviously, you know, in a different way, they're not like, you know, having these caricatures. Mm. They're just trying to, you know... But it was very on the sleeve what they were trying to say. Yes. And you could say that that was preachy, but maybe you just feel that was executed better. Um, yeah. I I happen to think that the obvious nature of pointing at a comet and saying, can't you see it? And there's people are still, you know, and the whole idea of don't look up, don't look up. And the whole idea is that becomes like a slogan for that political party. Yeah. I, you, you know, you might think that they're all straw men. I, I, I there maybe was a couple of times they went off on the deep end and pretended that everyone was just the crazy guy on Facebook. But there definitely are moments in this where if you are not plugged in uh, to politics or not plugged into things, you will watch this and think, oh, actually, that, you know, it's very obvious to us because I, I, you know, I keep, I try to keep up tabs as much as I can about that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, but I think if you're like someone who doesn't really pay attention to the news at all and all you hear is the slogans every four years, you're going to watch this and think, and maybe second guess being anti-intellectual. You don't even know what that concept so, is. It is very harshly done. So but, you, sorry, you, go, yeah. go, go and finish your point, sorry. It's very harshly done, but but I, 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 I do look at the ridiculous things they're saying, and, and yes, they are over the top. But it it is an analog for real life, as ridiculous as it is. That's how that's, I view it. Like in terms of the climate science, 
in terms of the uh, pandemic science, that's sort of the main two areas they're sort of really pulling from here. I view it as just like sometimes I feel like just screaming, the sea levels are rising. You know, mm. I feel I feel like I feel like Adam McKay felt when he wrote the screenplay. Yeah, um, I mean. I- I, I, I totally see that and I do agree I think that that's one of the things I find frustrating about this is that I think if Adam McKay and I sat down in a room and talked about politics or talked about the media we'd probably agree with each other on a lot of points um, so what I was going to ask you there was do, do you think that anyone who is being kind of lampooned in this movie or anyone who let's say voted for the people who are being lampooned in this movie who you know Mel Streep is an obvious stand-in for Donald Trump they don't say the Republican Party but that's what that's what that character is it's it's Donald Trump I think I think Adam McKay didn't want it to that way but Meryl Streep was like basically like yes we're doing that yeah. you know but but do you think any do you think this movie is changing anyone's mind um I, I I don't think that a movie. I don't think that a movie it's, it has a, it needs to have the intention of changing someone's mind, and I don't think that it sh- it should be trying to. Uh, um, whether now that doesn't mean that movies can't, you know. Um, I don't think this is no. Um, mm. I don't know actually. The people who are unplugged so much from the media that maybe i don't know you never know you never know the thing is and as well the thing is as well people never change their mind within with, within a debate and they never change their mind when being presented with things they always go and reflect upon it so maybe this will be one piece in a thousand piece puzzle which makes someone eventually come to different conclusions okay. i don't know but uh but as a piece for me to let out frustrations that i have at the world hmm. i was happy to <clears throat> indulge in this piece and it wasn't even just pointing like we say trump and you might say like you know you know can't we all just get along it's like well no like you know they're they're, they're denying uh scientific consensus Mm. it is it is that crazy in real life and yes it is dialed up to 11 like the idea of going into the president and saying you know this is happening there's a comet coming to earth and them just thinking to themselves thinking themselves oh what what's that going to do for our us in the midterms now in real life i'm sure they don't say it to the scientists but I'm sure they say it 20 minutes later when they're alone with their with their chief of staff. So they're just like amplifying it up. Mm. Um, in terms of uh, in terms of that though, it's not just the Republicans and not just Trump and not just right wingers who they're sh- they're shooting at here. They're also shooting at Neil deGrasse Tyson and Bill Nye yeah. and Dr. Fauci. They're they're shooting at these at at, at these uh, now. I think Dr. Fauci is still currently working for the government, so it's a bit different. But for Definitely for Neil deGrasse Tyson, Brian Cox, all of these uh, scientists who get into the public eye, and then all of a sudden, it's just like that's what they are now. They're a celebrity, yeah. and people sort of forget that they're even about science. They're having a shot at them as well. That's so, true. Yeah, yeah, it, and and you know yeah. your Elon Musk's and your your um... oh Elon Musk and uh, was <laughs> Mark Rylance. What the hell was Ma- his Ma- I will about? say like... Mark Rylance in this. <laughs> I I didn't laugh that often. Mark Rylance gave me the the only really genuine laugh um, of the movie when he's. Uh, so this is a slight spoiler, but I don't think it's 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 too much to worry about. There is a mission that could have saved the Earth. Uh, that is abandoned at the last minute because Mark Rylance's clear analog for Elon Musk, like the kind of idiot 
uh, yeah. charlatan tech billionaire says, oh, we could mine all these rare earth minerals from it, so let's do this other plan oh, that's, that's probably not going to work. Um, and and it, when he's explaining his plan to the room of like government and military officials, and he says, China has their, and I quote, great big panda paw on all the earth's rare earth oh, minerals. God. That line made me burst out laughing when he said it, because of how he said it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the thing, is, is it the writing, or is it how he said it? You oh, know it's I mean? definitely that's... Mark Rylance's delivery. Of that that's line. the balance the whole way yeah. through for me um i will say i didn't i didn't actually laugh at anything meryl streep was very much just being donald uh donald trump mm. that's what she was doing i didn't laugh at much of that i've you know i've seen a thousand donald trump gimmicks you know what i mean i didn't i didn't really i didn't really find anything she was doing funny uh jonah hill carry, carrying like the uh nuclear codes in a handbag i mean that got a chuckle out of me once you know um that that was that was a funny idea but yeah, it's it's Mark Rylance was particularly funny at certain points. Um, mm. There's nothing in this film which I found was hilarious, but I was no. giggling once well, every ten minutes. You know? Okay, so I mean, uh, I'll I'll just go back to my my previous question for a second because I think you are right. I don't think a movie needs to aim to change minds to be a good movie, but I think yeah. the thing that really rubbed me the wrong way with this movie was that I didn't find it that funny. Um, I didn't really feel like Adam McKay was particularly interested in actually exploring why people behave the way they do in terms of, you know, these people saying don't look up, like deny, or why people believe these people saying don't look up. It, it, he, I don't think, I think he's, I don't want to be mean to him, but he always strikes me as like a pretty fundamentally incurious person who's sort of, he's really good at telling other people's stories in a compelling way, kind of mm-hmm. in like the big short, but when he makes his own, he finds it really hard to kind of see past his own biases, which is not always the end of the world, because I think if, if the characters that you're writing are strong enough to give the audience something to hang on, it can be entertaining but i think in this all, all of these these kind of 1d characters that he came up with that were played by amazing actors who we know can act and most of them weren't really working for me it it, it becomes you you start basically or i started looking for something to kind of associate with in this movie and i think and maybe this worked for you um the the the, the two sort of central characters of mindy and dibiaski i think are where he wants the audience to find uh, to find that that kind of impetus to carry them through the narrative, and neither of them worked for me at all. Um, I just, I so uh, what what I essentially ended up with was a movie full of pretty sketchy characters who aren't particularly funny, some leads who I'm not interested in at all, and a message that feels quite preachy because he's not trying to change anyone's mind. He's essentially just making a movie for people who already agree with him to say, "Aren't we clever?" That's kind of how I how I felt by the end of this. Mm, I know what you mean. I, I know what you mean, but maybe I don't know. I think he's just allowed. I I, I just I don't mind spending a bit of time sometimes making fun of people that I disagree with. <laughs> yeah. And I and I and and I, I think that if you were to say to him, no, no, you have to look into why these people are saying don't look up, and obviously there's a lot of reasons. Like the people, like the you know hate the institution not the person you know what i mean like yeah. and challenge the institution not the person the people are just who the people are you know and they uh they led to their beliefs through many means and many you know things that are unfair in life mm. having said that the idea of watching a comedy film which makes fun of people who are in some regards not in all regards but in some regards objectively wrong um that then 
then that and and by saying that 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 filmmaker you know you really should look into why they're objectively wrong or you really should look into why they've been led down that path Mm. it almost feels a little bbc to me it almost feels a little bit like you know we have to have both sides we have to we have to make sure that uh, that everyone understands that those people aren't evil. You know, it's like, well, just you know, let's just joke about them for two hours. Well, like, that's how I feel. I mean, it's, I don't think it's so much showing them as not evil or showing their side. I think it's more that they. So, it, I needed something from this movie to actually invest in, and I, like, so I'll talk about Mindy and Dibiaski mm-hmm. for a second because I, I feel like maybe you have a different take on this to me. But I felt so, Mindy. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character goes through this sudden meteoric rise to become like the scientist de jour of the US (laughs) government where he suddenly is like this sexy astronomer who cheats on his wife with Kate Blanchett who is a a host of what is essentially Fox News analogue and none of that like he, he, he goes from nervous sweaty man who can't put two sentences together to the sexy scientist who's working for the government and sleeping with Kate Blanchett and uh, to a man who realises he's thrown his family life away and has some mm. kind of redemption towards the end of the movie and all of it's done without any kind of decent explanation for why it's happening it just happens because it felt like Adam McKay wanted to jam a character arc in there somewhere so that that really didn't work for me and then Dibiaski's uh, Jennifer Lawrence's character is one of the one that really annoyed me because her entire arc consists of her character discovering the comet and then being forgotten about by everyone who is like discussing what to do about it and I don't know whether it <laughs> Uh, maybe this might be giving Adam McKay too much credit but the film literally forgets about her as well it's like yeah she discovers it and then she gets a little moment where she gets to look across annoyed at Mindy as he's given credit for saving humanity and then the movie just forgets about her and sticks her into a random romance with Timothy Chalamet for like the last hour and it, it's like that's not a character arc so then you're you're like relying upon Mindy and he's just he, he just go like he, he it just feels so so rote his character but i mean how did you how did you feel about those two characters in particular because i feel like those really are the, the heart of the movie insofar as it has one yeah like i think i think i, I maybe you know i'm always going to come across like you know, if people listening to this is going to sound like you know i i love this film because <laughs> i'm going against someone who really hated it yeah. i'm i'm not in at all trying to describe this film as fantastic you've uh, called it a five-star film Anthony, all right? <laughs> yeah, I know. You've, okay. you've laid six out your stall. Six and a half, six and a half. But uh, no, uh, no, definitely. Like there are there are some lacking <laughs> things there. Like the, it wasn't necessarily the transition of Mindy into the sexy. I, I think that was all what people were putting on him. Mm. You know, I think that was like his media persona they created for him. I never saw him changing. He was just sort of going with the the flow. Yeah, and I didn't hate that. I didn't hate him just going with the flow. Having said that, whenever the change came for him to want to go back to his family, that was way too quick. Yeah. And um, felt very insincere. Like, that bit. It was yeah, like, we need a very happy insincere. ending for this character. So we, exactly. And and even the way I turned to Emer and I was talking about like the way that they did it as well. Whenever his wife, when he went back to his wife, basically his wife then admitted that she had slept with someone whenever they were in university, and therefore I said to Emer, well, actually, to be honest with you lazy writing but that's actually quite clever what adam mckay did there because it then for people who are watching the film now it's like from we can have now the last half an hour of some intimacy between him and his wife and like you know afraid of dying and stuff we can have that you know again mostly failed attempt at at this uh cathartic ending Mm. 
or lack of cathartic ending, <laughs> yeah. I should say, uh, anti-cathartic ending, yeah. uh, we can have an attempt at that because now we, you know, both of the, the partners are on level playing field. Whereas, because I was thinking to myself, like, you've got like half an hour left this film. He's going back to his wife who he's cheated on for like six months. How am I going to think this guy's a good guy? And then bang, <laughs> yeah. they're on a level playing field with one line. She cheated too. Here we go. Let's go to the end of the movie. Yeah, you know? <laughs> it's, it's very, very like, I don't know. Let's just throw a throw a adultery in there for her character as well. And that evens everything out. Um, I really think it was like it was this, it was like shorthand yeah. to get these characters back on the same level so that we don't think about that anymore. Yeah, it definitely was. Um, in terms of uh, in terms of uh, Lawrence's character, though, I don't know. That's quite realistic, isn't it? Like the the scientists who discovered. Oh, the I mean, it is. It, I think it is realistic, but I think that the, the that, so there's all I think there's all these different elements of this movie that I think could be fine on their own like i don't mind a movie that isn't trying to change anyone's mind and is just incurious about how you know the republicans and the people who vote for the um, vote for them live i didn't say it's not trying to change anyone's mind well i said it doesn't matter i said it doesn't matter but i also said that um i don't know if it's his intention it doesn't it can't it, it could come across both ways for me actually i don't know but yeah. I, I don't know if it will change anyone's mind but yeah but but yeah. i mean it's it, not reco- you could argue in places you know it's not required of the movie to do that i mean like no, exactly, and, yeah. and likewise it doesn't it like it's not required of the movie if it's being you know this farcical comedy like a a doctor strange love kind of thing it doesn't necessarily need to give its its more ridiculous characters depth you know like doctor strange love yeah. in doctor strange love it's just a, a nazi played by peter sellers like and he's a really funny character mm-hmm. i think so there, there's just there's lots of little problems with this movie that 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 kind of built up into this animosity for me. So yeah, I, I didn't find all of these kind of supporting characters particularly funny. I didn't think the arcs of of uh, Dibiaski and Mindy were particularly interesting. I didn't think Dibiaski even had an arc to be honest. Um, I I didn't think it was being particularly curious about trying to look at why people behave a certain way so that bit wasn't interesting and then the last the last point i wanted to discuss with you and i think I-, I might get some flack for this but um i'd be interested to get your take on it is that mm-hmm. this is a very american centric movie and I'll-, I'll explain what i mean by that just <laughs> because i don't want don't want to piss people off you know i love american movies and i love america but China, Russia, India, and Europe, and the rest of the world are literally hand waved away as having failed to solve anything in a one in literally one five minute scene in this movie. And I un- mm-hmm. I understand why they did it because it isn't McKay's focus. McKay is essentially using this plot as a way to address his grievances with the American political and media landscape. Essentially saying that you know, that, like literally and thematically, America is the center of the world in f- as far as these problems are concerned. But it it did feel mm-hmm. a bit arrogant to me to just be like, I don't know, all the rest of the world can like whatever. We're like we're we're not going to address it. Hmm. America arrogant. Never. <laughs> um, <laughs> I uh, you know, at least they mention them. At least they, okay. at least the rest of the world, at least at least the at least the rest of the world tried in this script. Yeah, they. What did, did America yeah. do? They they had the plan that was probably going to work, and they cancelled it. Like. <laughs> You know, can we at least, they, <laughs> at least they let the rest of the world fail and actually yeah. try to they gave do us something. the five minutes of the like the european russian chinese indian yeah. co developed they, they tried to divert the comment the, the they the tried yeah. they tried to divert the comment it just but 
Ugh. America tried to mine the comet for resources. The, 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 like, like, that is... <laughs> the core conceit of this is so ridiculous. Like, if you had these two people who discovered the comet and the American government was as incompetent as Adam McKay was presenting it, they could just go to Europe and be like, oh, well, you know, we have a space program. We can totally deal with this. You know, we'll get Russia and China and India involved and we'll be fine. Um, it, yeah. I, it, I, it's like, a really also, minor yeah. thing, but it just kind of, like, on top of McKay's kind of generally preachy tone, it really rubbed me the wrong way that his, his, his theme is essentially the literal world is going to end if America doesn't sort these problems out and it was I understand why he feels that way because obviously he is American and these problems feel yeah. very central to to what he wants to write about but for as someone who's not American I was like okay well I mean I guess this movie wasn't made for me then either well he does yeah the thing is about like you know I'm not going to sit here and say he's a fantastic writer I mean he's, he's no Ben Affleck but um, <laughs> but <laughs> basically I, I think I read your golden wood to... and you <laughs> <laughs> I I it basically comes down to he he really didn't want to like he did really didn't want to guise any of his points here. No. And like and you know the Martian you know, I don't think it was trying to make any particular political points. No. But the Martian, even like they were saving one man and they had like they had a lot of time devoted to like the Chinese and the Russian Federations helping out. Yeah. Whereas, whereas in this, it's the whole world going to end and they give like literally a minute, yeah. but um, just some, yeah, just so some scenes the, of an see, explosion on a runway. I see the point. <laughs> and I also think that Adam McKay is going to be like, you know, if he's listening to this and hi, Adam, if you are, I, I know that he's going to be loving what I say right now. Cause this just speaks. And again, I like the film, but I am going to sort of agree with Conrad here. This really speaks of a film where he just wants to read the articles afterwards of saying, <laughs> of saying like, did you know that when they wanted to mine the resources from the comet, that actually is analogous to real life because people actually like that global warming gives us sunny weather, yeah. you know? And it's like, it's like, we want the good thing from the disaster. And it's like, Adam McKay is just, is just loving the fact that everyone's like analyzing his deep thoughts and his analogies. It's like, no, they are there plain to see. It's actually an insult to people listening right now for <laughs> yeah. me to talk about them. Yeah, no, it it is. Um, Everyone got it. Yeah, it's not <laughs> it's not as it. deep as anyone th- uh, as, as anyone thinks it is. Um, it, it, there is actually there's one thing you mentioned that I'll say just before we wrap up that I do think is interesting. And I was thinking about this when we were covering the Matrix last week because you you are absolutely right that this is a similar movie to Matrix Resurrections in that you can very clearly hear the voice of the author in this mm-hmm. and. I think I think the reason it worked for me in the Matrix and it didn't work for me in this is because it's twofold. I, I, I mentioned it last week, but the Matrix has that layer of like narrative obfuscation because all these all the mm-hmm. like the, all those characters who are like video game designers and producers at the beginning of the movie by definition aren't real people because they're in the matrix so they they can kind of get away with being shitty mm-hmm. stereotypes um also one of them was played by christina ricci which is an immediate win for me <laughs> um and th- this movie could have definitely done with with some more ricci um <laughs> the reach the reach yeah uh, a bit of wednesday adams <laughs> but th- whereas this one it just they didn't feel real they didn't feel funny and there was just there was just not no one in this that I liked, but it's it, it's it was a hard. I mean, it was you're, a hard you're, thing you're to right. Get you're right in saying that the context matters. In the Matrix, they're making a uh, a, a point uh, about um, they're making a point about like the LGBTQ plus community, how it's received. All they're making all these different points, right? About how the films are received, everything like that. Mm. But they did it in a world where there's the one who gets chosen to uh save the world yeah. of like machines against humans and it's this crazy fantasy sci-fi thing 
this is a sh- a film trying to make a point about the political landscape set in the political landscape yeah. that is about a disaster that's going to happen that is not quite the disaster that is coming but it's not that far away yeah. so that's what i mean like about him him not really understanding how analogy works i think that uh this would have been much better i would have loved this exact same concept if it was like you know all i just keep thinking about is um was it like fern gully you know <laughs> yeah it's basic basically what this is you know fern gully is or avatar what about Av- avatars avatars basically fern gully but avatar is kind of like this this as well where you know the, the disaster's coming and they won't listen to the people and they won't yeah. listen to the, what they're thinking. It's kind of the same. It's kind of the same analogy. But Adam McKay just wants, for comedy aspect, I, I suppose he just wanted to have that more sort of obvious uh, link to the to the to the real world. Yeah. I suppose. Yeah. But it, I, I, it works in places for me. Doesn't work in some places. But you know. I, I yeah. I mean, I I I think I will will say like Mark Rylance's character for the most part I found very funny. I also found Ron, Ron Perlman's deranged uh pilot oh, ron perlman i'm gonna say that was when i like i was, I was giggling a couple of times yeah. ron perlman i was laughing yeah. anytime he was on the screen it, it, this the t- fact that he this wild alcoholic way. man like climbing into this <laughs> yeah. rocket saying off-color yeah. remarks uh, about women and people of different races or whatever like it was yeah. it was funny even when they said we every every mission needs a hero, and they're like they bring Ron Perlman yeah. out, and I know he's a real big liberal in real life, so he would be loving this. Like, yeah. but he 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 walked out next <laughs> next to Meryl Streep. He does the salute. Yeah, he was great. <laughs> the little beret on and all. Yeah, I'm always happy when Ron Perlman shows up in a movie. And uh, he was shooting at the comet. <laughs> He, was yeah. at the he didn't disappoint in this one is all i'll say um okay well i mean that's adam mckay's don't look up a, a, the duality of man i think represented there in mine and anthony's opinions of that um if you if you uh if you had a, a comet hurtling your head and you had to give this one a rating out of five stars what would you say ah three okay you've gone for the three probably five i'd probably go for five out of ten but three stars. okay i gave it one i fucking hated this movie uh i it was, it was really disappointing to me as well because i like some of adam mckay's earlier stuff but he should never be allowed to write a movie by himself again i don't think Step Brothers. Step Brothers. Was yeah good. i like Step Brothers. i like i like a lot of his a lot of his earlier stuff a lot of his comedies um okay well that's about going to do it for us here this week we got through that without really having to get into spoilers um so you know lucky you if if you haven't if you haven't seen that. yeah we didn't even talk about what happens at the end no and we won't well, but it was ridiculous it was that was predictable but fun is all i'll say the very yeah. the very end of this movie um but that's going to lead us very naturally to answering one question as we always do and that is anthony what's your favorite movie this week my favorite movie this week i don't know if i've said this yet it's got to be encanto the new disney musical i mm. probably have said that already but my son is obsessed with it it's the first one that's come out since he's been old enough to know all the songs and he just loves it so it's really on repeat in my house yeah. at the minute. it's it's good I, i'm not sure the music has wowed me in it as much as i would have liked uh you haven't listened to it enough no that's true um, i imagine you've had we, it we, like yeah no, it's amazing i love it well I, you know i'm, I'm a big uh, lin-manuel miranda stan mm. as they say um i i will fight to the death uh anyone who doesn't like it i my opinion is conrad and i've probably said this to you before Anyone who uh, has anything negative to say about him is unfortunately 
a hipster. I have to say it. I, I thought you were going to say a racist. Then I was like, it's going to become a whole. It's going to become a. No, whole no, thing. not a racist. Uh, no, I'm also I'm joking. No, no one is infallible. But no, I do like it. Apparently, we don't talk about Bruno is uh, the biggest uh, hit since Frozen. Uh, okay. Let it go for Disney. Well, I mean, I very much do not have my fingers on the pulse of what the youth are into, so I could absolutely believe that um, because I've not heard it. And I normally the last one to know in these situations. Um, I'm going to say my favorite movie is The Big Short. It's uh, another Adam McKay movie, probably the last one he made that I really liked. And uh, yeah, that is going to do it for us this week on the best movie podcast ever. So thank you to Nancy Wyatt and Jared Iscariot for the use of our theme song. You can check out links to their stuff down in the description below. And thank you to you for joining us. Uh, please consider subscribing if you haven't already. We are The Culture Cave on YouTube or the best movie podcast ever on podcasting apps. Get involved in the comments. Let us know what you thought of Don't Look Up or what you've been watching this week. We always love to hear that. And we'll see you same time, same place next week. Bye.